0: Chapter 15 of My Southern Home, or The South and Its People. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. My Southern Home, or The South and Its People. By William Wells Brown. Chapter 15. The success of the slaveholders in controlling the affairs of the national government for a long series of years, furnishing a large majority of the presidents, speakers of the House of Representatives, foreign ministers, and molding the entire policy of the nation in favor of slaveholding, and the admitted fact that none could secure an office in the national government who were known to be opposed to the peculiar institution, made the Southerners feel themselves superior to the people of the free states. This feeling was often manifested by an outburst of intemperate language, which frequently showed itself in the pulpit, on the rostrum, and in the drawing-room. On all such occasions, the placing of the institution of slavery above liberty seemed to be the aim of its advocates. The principle of slavery is in itself right, and does not depend on difference of complexion, said the Richmond, Virginia, inquirer a distinguished southern statesman exclaimed make the laboring man the slave of one man instead of the slave of society and he would be far better off slavery black or white is right and necessary nature has made the weak in mind or body for slaves another said free society we sicken of the name What is it but a conglomeration of greasy mechanics, filthy operators, small-fisted farmers, and moonstruck theorists? All the northern states, and especially the New England states, are devoid of society fitted for well-bred gentlemen. The prevailing class one meets with is that of mechanics struggling to be genteel, and small farmers who do their own drudgery and yet who are hardly fit for association with a gentleman's body-servant slave this is your free society the insults offered to john p hale and charles sumner in the united states senate and to joshua r giddings and owen lovejoy in the house of representatives were such as no legislative body in the world would have allowed except one controlled by slave-drivers I give the following, which may be taken as a fair specimen of the bulldozing of those days. In the National House of Representatives, Honorable O. Lovejoy, member from Illinois, was speaking against the further extension of slavery in the territories when he was interrupted by Mr. Barksdale of Mississippi. Order that black-hearted scoundrel and nigger-stealing thief to take his seat by mr boyce of south carolina addressing mr lovejoy then behave yourself. by mr gartrell of georgia in his seat the man is crazy by mr barksdale of mississippi again no sir you stand there to-day an infamous perjured villain by mr ashmore of south carolina Yes, he is a perjured villain, and he perjures himself every hour he occupies a seat on this floor. By Mr. Singleton of Mississippi And a negro thief into the bargain. Mr. Barksdale of Mississippi again. I hope my colleague will hold no parley with that perjured negro thief. By Mr. Singleton of Mississippi again no sir any gentleman shall have time but not such a mean despicable wretch as that by mr martin of virginia and if you come among us we will do with you as we did with john brown hang you as high as Haman. i say that as a virginian hon robert toombs of georgia made a violent speech in the senate January 1860, in which he said, Never permit this federal government to pass into the traitorous hands of the black Republican Party. It has already declared war against you and your institutions. It every day commits acts of war against you. It has already compelled you to arm for your defense. Listen to no vain babblings, to no treacherous jargon about overt acts, they have already been committed. Defend yourselves. The enemy is at your door. Wait not to meet him at the hearthstone, meet him at the door-sill, and drive him from the temple of liberty, or pull down its pillars and involve him in a common ruin." Such and similar sentiments expressed at the South, and even by the Southerners when sojourning in the Free States, did much to widen the breach and to bring on the conflict of arms that soon followed. End of chapter fifteen. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.